Today's episode is brought to you by Alliance Aviation. Whether your mission is flying in style to any of the circuits on this year's Formula One calendar or simply traveling for business, Alliance's team of aviation professionals is ready to get you from point A to point B. When you fly with Alliance as a charter customer, we deliver superior aircraft, fair pricing, and no long-term commitments. And right now, we have an ongoing promotion to save you 5% on all jet cards. Normally, a jet card can cost you $6,500 per flight hour, but when you use promo code POINTS, you can save over $8,000 per jet card. Use promo code POINTS and fly to the Formula One circuits in style at fly.flyalliance.us slash points. Welcome back to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe. We are live following the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, where it was looking to be a drama-filled race with the battle we saw Saturday between the Ferraris and the Red Bulls, and it looked to be the same Sunday between Charles and Max coming down to the final five laps until reliability issues plagued the championship contending Scuderia Ferrari. Issues impacted customer engines as we saw four total Ferrari-powered retirements. The race settled in following Chuck Leclerc's engine blowout, giving Max Verstappen his fifth win of the season and tying Nicky Lauda for career wins. It was a Red Bull parade in Baku as Checo took home second and Mr. Consistency George Russell rounded out the podium places. Listen in as we talk whether Mattia Bonato should be on the hot seat, when will Mercedes finally figure out that porpoising issue, and how fans were robbed of what should have been a drama-filled weekend. All of that, plus we have listener emails and much more. Let's go racing. to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe. Today, we are back, boys. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming, uh, recording right after the race, as we always love to do. Guys, I love race week a lot, but I love nothing more than recording with you guys. Uh, I am your host, Matt Dotiel. Joined, as always, we've got Sam, DR Russell, Russell, and Stefano, the tech expert, Sedano. Guys, let's get going for this week's recap. Let's bring the smoke. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having us. Uh, unfortunately, Stefano and I are, are wearing black right now, and what could possibly be the funeral for Ferrari's chances at the constructors uh, and possibly our boy, Chuck Claire, Leclerc, his chances at the driver championship. It's, it's a sad day as a Ferrari stand. Um, and yeah, it's just not, not what I wanted to be talking about today. No, certainly not. Uh, you guys probably, you know, I, I'm gutted for both of you. I feel bad. Uh, it's how I felt a couple times this year already. So, you know, not wishing that on my worst enemy, but 
you know, in celebration for a, a Red Bull 1-2, I'm cracking my celebratory, my Red Bull. Uh, you heard Christian Horner after the race said he was probably going to have a Red Bull in, in something instead of champagne. I think we all know that that something clearly meant uh, vodka. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, with our team, 1-2 finish. Back on the top steps and a nice, comfortable lead ahead of the Ferraris and Mercedes and the constructors and the drivers. So um, sorry for your loss and you guys are mourning and all black to express your rage. But, you know, cheers. Matt, what label vodka do you think Christian Horner drinks with his Red Bull? Dude, I don't know because I'm sure in Europe they have some like crazy different distilleries and different types of vodka. Uh, I couldn't even begin to tell you. Maybe like, I don't know, that guy probably screams like a Grey Goose type of guy. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. 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 That's like a very clinical vodka. And I very can see clinical him, vodka. I can yeah. see him. I can see him enjoying that shit. Very lame, but yeah. Pretty yeah. lame. Yeah. Like just unoriginal for a guy who probably should not be even that like, good either, to be honest. No. Fingers isn't very good. Not even overrated. that good. But shout out. Great. Very overrated. If you, if you do want to sponsor the podcast, we will 100% push that product down our, our listeners throats. No pun intended. Uh, we do that free every weekend. So if you would like to pay us, please let us know. Uh, yes, guys, our minds are easily swayed. Minds are very easily swayed, uh, unless you're trying to convince Sam to become a Max Verstappen fan. That is something that he will definitely not be swayed on uh, by any means. For the right price, Matt. For the right price. I'd be, I would be all over Max. For the right price. So, guys, lots to talk about after Baku. It was, first and foremost, I felt a little bit robbed as a fan. I think we deserved more out of that race than we actually got. I think they gave us way too much drama last year's race they gave us a little bit of drama over the weekend through practice and we had an intense qualifying which was basically two tenths separating the top four cars on field it was electric to watch charles leclerc took his sixth pole of the year uh interesting stat though you know given some engine failures reliability concerns Max has won more from Charles Leclerc polls than Charles has won from Charles Leclerc polls on this season. And in honor of my guy, Max Verstappen, standing back on the, the top step, uh, we got the, you know, the, the late and great Nicky Lauda. He's now tied with Nicky Lauda for most career wins. Uh, more to come from that. But guys, let's start with the Ferrari engine issues. It was looking like all weekend Ferrari and Red Bull were just neck and neck. They clearly had a better one lap pace than the the Bulls and outqualified both Char- uh, Charles outqualified both Checo and Max. But the race pace data all weekend was looking really tight, and we thought we were going to be in for a crazy race. And at the start, through the first like eight laps, we were, and then Carlos signs hydraulic issue has to retire, and then a couple laps later smoke coming from Charles Leclerc's uh, air duct and engine failure. He's out of the race too. Start with that, Sam. I mean, we were watching the race live. You were just gutted. Talk to talk to us about like where where do you how do you like dig in and try and get stuck in on this team after after a, a poor failure in Barcelona, strategy issues in Monaco, and then more reliability issues, and now they have to turn around in a quick week and go back to Montreal. How do you how do you channel this Nicky Lauda and, and come back from that? Yeah, so I won't sugarcoat it. Today's race sucked. Like just in general, as a fan just not a interesting or fun race to watch, which was a bummer because we were expecting great things with this being such a a fun track. Like you said, qualifying was, was electric. So it was just, I was very bummed in general because the race just sucked. Uh, But as a, you know, a Ferrari backer, um, yeah, it's, it's hard not to come away after today and just kind of feel like 
the season's a little lost. Um, It's so frustrating seeing Chuck perform so well on Saturday and then just show up to the race and have something go wrong consistently every week. Um, what's what is the most frustrating part about the whole entire thing is in all aspects of, uh, the race from speed to, uh, tactics to reliability. Red Bull is just far and away now better than Ferrari. So it just, it's, it's going to be a big hole to dig out of as uh, Ferrari moves forward in the season. And today might've kind of been like first nail in the coffin. Yeah. And as a fan of the sport too, right now, what sucks is that the entire championship is being decided off of reliability because we were robbed of a Max Charles battle in Bahrain. We were robbed of a Max Charles battle in Australia. We were robbed of a Max Charles, maybe not in Barcelona. It looked like Charles was well in advance, but you know, if, if Max doesn't spin off and his DRS works, who knows? Maybe he stays close, but I think that Ferrari dominated. We were robbed of a, you know, with the rain, Monaco, it is what it is. And then today, it was going to be a great battle. It was going to be an awesome on-track battle. Uh, I think after they deployed the virtual safety car and Ferrari went into the pits, they were definitely going to have to stop again. And it was going to come down like the last three laps of them being on fresher, newer, medium tires and racing a Red Bull at the end of their hard tire stint. And we were going to get probably another on-track battle. And instead, what we got was the two championship contenders Max and Charles, no battle. Charles not even in the mix. And it was just a dominant Red Bull race. And Mercedes came back in three and four and they're hanging around. But but yeah, Stefano, talk to us about what happened with first off, what happened with Carlos? It sounded like a hydraulic issue. And the, the big concern, if I'm a Ferrari fan, is it sounded like after the race, Mattia Badana's like all of these issues between the the customer engines, the current engines, and Carlos Sainz's hydraulic issues were all unrelated, which is never what you want to hear on a short week going to from Azerbaijan to Canada. Yeah, it throws the preparation into a bit of a tiz, uh, especially with this quick turnaround. Um, to be honest, when I when they switched the onboard footage for Sainz, I thought it was a gearbox issue because you could see him try to shift into a gear and it sounded like a massive clunk. Um, but then you saw his steering wheel kind of locked up a little bit and uh, that kind of that kind of was a blatant hydraulic issue. Um, and it's it's funny that you allude to the the customer teams that have the Ferrari power units because you know Ferrari definitely takes the most of the limelight from those teams as far as you know. Um, issues and 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 catastrophes for for their teams but like alfa romeo and haas both run ferrari power units and both had failures mm-hmm. um so it wasn't just the, the the scuderia ferrari it was the customer the customer um teams too so it never it's never a good look when four out of your six um entrants running the same power unit fail i mean science had the, the hydraulic issue but you know a dnf is a dnf um so definitely, definitely a crazy week ahead for, for the Scoot and uh, the other cu- customer teams as well. They'll be working through the night for the rest of the week to try to figure things out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what we can see in free practice in, uh, in Montreal going into qualifying in the race. I just want to say, Matt, I'm officially on the fire Bonotto train. Get him, yes. out, of, get him out of town. Get him I out of town. Too fast of a car, too good of drivers for this crap to be happening consistently and it's reliability and it's strategy. That's just killing them. It get him out of town. 
I'm done with them. It's honestly the worst, I think, team principal that Ferrari has had in their history. I mean, I think he has. I don't know. We had some pretty bad ones. To then give us a history lesson because it's, it, dude, it can't back, be much back. worse than having a car this good and having this much issues from like trying to just cover a race and win and finish. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm remembering like the Dominicali days back when like, you know, Fernando Alonso was going toe to toe with Sebastian Vettel. Um, just some really poor strategy calls, you know, reliability issues up the wazoo, you know, just Ferrari coming over all stereotypically Italian, you know, just like emotional harebrained decisions in the heat of the moment. And then just like stereotypical Italian reliability, just like really dark days for the scoot back, like when Domenicali was the president. And even when um, uh, Arriva Bene was um, the the team lead as well, um, you know, some some pretty terrible seasons under him too. So this isn't like an isolated issue. There's a reason Ferrari hasn't won anything since 2008. Yeah, it's been it's been bad, man. I mean, it's just not been very good. And they've Fire finally the same- He's got a, he, Sam's right. He's finally, this team has Charles Leclerc, who's arguably like the next superstar of motor racing, if not the current, alongside the likes of Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Lando Norris, right? As like the young and upcomers who are supposed to be the future of the sport racing. He's got six pole this year out of eight races. He's been on pole six times and he's won what? He's finished six races. He's only won, I think, three, and his rival contender is one more from his own poll from from Charles's polls than than Charles has, and then you've got the likes of Signs, who has been up and down between you know his own failures and the team failures, and these guys like I've asked you every single week, but now we're about eight races into the twenty two race season. They've got to turn it around really quickly between now and the summer break. They got five races, three doubleheaders if you count this weekend. They've got to go to Canada, Silverstone, Austria, Hungary, and France. And they were porpoising like crazy during free practice. They've got great one lap speed, but they can't finish races. Are you guys hitting the panic button? It feels like it's time. Like it's they, not now, when. they they certainly are on the precipice and are staring into oblivion. Um, it's really a question of do they fall into the abyss of irrelevancy or do they stand and fight uh, the likes of Red Bull and Mercedes? And even if they don't win a constructors or a drivers championship, they at least go out fighting like the the storied team that they are. Sam, do you yeah. hit the panic button? <laughs> yeah, I'm hitting the panic button. I mean, they they have absolutely no margin for error the rest of the season if they want to compete in the constructors or if Charles wants to compete in the drivers. There's no margin of error. That They can't have anything like that happen again the rest of the season if they want to hang around at this point. I mean, they've they've dug themselves a big hole to come out of. They're, they're 80 points back. Yeah. 80 points back. That's... And Mercedes is creeping up very quickly. Very quickly. We thought, yeah. we thought that they'd be a distant third, but I think they're only like 30 or 40 points back from Ferrari. The margin yeah. between Ferrari and Mercedes is half of what the difference between Ferrari and Red Bull is. Like, that's all you need to know. That's how big of a gap it is. So, yeah, I'm hitting the panic button. Uh, no margin for error. They, they need to start winning races and probably, you know, having a few one twos. Yeah. They just need the- to finish races. They need to finish races. Science and, and Leclerc both need points finishes. They need to be on podiums, both of them. 
you know, especially when you have Mercedes with Mr. Consistency, George Russell finishing on a podium today and Lewis Hamilton taking multiple driver of the day um, awards throughout the season. You know, he's been driving at a much improved rate uh, the last few races. So when you have Mercedes, you know, picking up the slack from early in the season, like they are doing lately, um, you know, like Matt, uh, Sam said, there's no margin for error. And the thing is too, Mercedes, if they sort out that porpoising issue, they're going to be right in the mix. I can, I strongly believe that they are losing pace, call it two tenths to five tenths a lap, just because of how hard it probably is for those guys to feel comfortable in the car, get the braking points right, take those cars into the high speed, the low speed corners. Like, yes, they might be suffering straight line speed, but like to drive, I mean, you saw Lewis Hamilton get out of the car today and he could barely get out of the car. So God, it's gotten worse. That's what's kind of concerning is the porpoising's just gotten worse for them. So I, I agree. I think if they can clean that up, I think they're, they're definitely right in the mix between those two top cars, but can they fix it is the question. Cause it's only gotten worse and everyone else has seemed to kind of start handling it a little bit better and it hasn't gotten any better for them. They're, they're not the, going to fix it. It's, uh, it's going to be one of those things where like, can they alleviate it enough where the car is drivable? Cause the car is going to porpoise no matter what at this point. The, the know, positive thing to take away, though, is that in Spain, they had less porpoising and it's clear that in Monaco and uh, in Baku, they were definitely had the worst of it all. And those are street tracks. So they're not super smooth. They're not maintained as well as like Silverstone or Canada or Austria, Hungary or France, which is ironically the next five races that they do have coming up. So maybe what we actually end up seeing is Mercedes has a better drive uh, in, in those more consistent historical circuits versus the street circuits where there's just unevenness it's a street they've got ups and downs and it is pretty crazy but you know i mean guys this is what happens though for ferrari i said it earlier when you have a driver like signs who had like two dns on his own because of australia getting beached and because of what happened at imola and how he kind of drove in in spain he ended up kind of rebound rebounding from where he was in spain but you can't afford to do that as the second driver when then you have double dnfs and that's been the positive piece for red bull after a double dnf in bahrain after a dnf in australia you still had the number two driver picking up the pieces and keeping pushing the momentum forward and that's the same thing with what mercedes has been doing with george russell he's just been hanging around not letting them run away with it and this is where i said it earlier in the podcast like stay away from signs this weekend it really wasn't his fault but like that's where when it, you have a driver that's making errors it's going to come back to haunt you down the road because you are going to suffer reliability and it sucks that this season has all been decided off of reliability for the most part Five DNFs between the two Ferraris is like a joke. A joke. Yeah. And three of those are really just what? Three of those are engine related. So it's like two of them are driver related and the other three are engine related. And you it's, take the, yeah, the, the driver it, yeah. related ones and put them aside and you're still back <laughs> in the title fight. It's just so funny how the like first three or four races, it was like, oh, it's Red Bull with the, with the reliability issues. And, and Ferrari's been the only team out there that's, you know, had a clean first few races. And now it's just the opposite. They can't even finish a race now. And the only other team, the team that actually has had zero reliability, one little scare with two laps left in Spain, Mercedes. They yeah. 
they're just lacking. They're just they're on the back foot this season, but they're like in terms of how to set up the car and how to like handle the porpoising and even some straight line speed stuff. But like their drivers are in like we had a three four finish and we said on the podcast this was a big weekend for Mercedes that they their outside shot at a second half push for the constructors would have been one and lost in Baku and them going three and four was like a dream come true to have Ferrari go to honestly, the only thing better that could have happened is if one Red Bull got knocked out and like one Ferrari got knocked out because then they would have been closer to both. But I mean, them leapfrogging Ferrari would be like the worst collapse in the history of sports coming out of the gate. So strong. We never held our breath over a Ferrari reliability issue. Now we've had three in two races, three races. It's crazy. And and even we had like we still have Red Bull reliability issues with the DRS deployment. Like we told Max, don't don't use DRS the last like seven laps of the race. So I, I think we said it, Sam, like back in episode two, that the season was going to be decided off reliability, and we didn't want to see it, but it's starting to turn into that more and more. No question about it. It's the story of the season, and and now it's turned into Ferrari powered cars are the big question mark. It's kind of crazy. So guys. Um, We've beaten up on the Ferrari team. It was sad to see. I think it was like lap 35, paddock was cleared out, pit lane was pit wall was cleared out. Like nobody was left there. Everyone was gone. It was, I think they had already packed it looked like up a funeral, man. It looked like a funeral. It looked like a funeral. You guys are dressed in all black morning. I mean, I'm wearing Nikki Lauda hat ironically because Max is now passing them. So it's like not a great day as like yeah, a you're Ferrari an asshole thing. for that. Yeah, big time. Right in your guys' grill. But, you know, that's the, 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 game, the game you play as a heel. But, um, yeah, I mean, it sucks. No one likes to see that. I think we were robbed. But moving on, Red Bull back on 1-2. I mean, it was like six years since they had had a 1-2. They've had like three or four in the last like last few races. Um, boy, Checo Perez, team orders. What do you guys think of that this week? I mean, you guys were all over it. Can he win a race? He outqualified his teammate. And then I think... You know, he was 20 seconds behind his teammate at the end of the race. What do you guys think of like how, what fanned it on track between the Red Bulls today? I really don't even think it was like a team orders thing. Max was way faster. And I think Checo pushed his tires too hard on, on the first couple laps, holding off uh, Chuck and getting in front of him on that first turn. So I, I don't, I don't even think it was really a team orders thing. It, it, there was no fighting, but Checo wasn't going to hold them off anyway. So I, I'll I'll let this one slide this week. Max had the superior car and, and had a better drive. So yeah. it was job well done from him. No sabotage at, orders. At, no at, sabotage. That, at that moment, at that moment in the race, Max was clearly ahead on pace. So I, I don't even think Checo fought like the the call from the pit lane uh to to not fight Max for the lead. Um but I do want to point out uh Checo is very quickly becoming the uh start of the race king. Jumped in front, of, jumped in front of Chuck at the start. He's really hooking up very well with his reaction time to the to the lights going out and and really making up places at the start. And it's it's really uh, benefiting his overall standing in the team and in the the drivers' standings as well. Yeah, he's, a, and- he's a weapon off the line. It's crazy. Yeah. Every yeah. single race. It's almost like it's al- it almost looks like he's jumping the start. That's how good he is off the line. And you could and you could tell that the team knew he was going to have a good chance to overtake in that first corner because on his formation lap, we heard over the team radios, get your elbows out, Checo. So they yeah. they knew they knew it was going to happen. And it was it was an impressive start. I mean, that was awesome. 
Also, too, like it's funny because I, I think if I was racing, I'd rather have started from where Checo was than where Charles is because you can kind of like make that little late lunge down the inside if you yeah, get, you get alongside him. And even though you're, you'd rather be on the racing line like Leclerc, like you get a good start like Checo did. You put the squeeze on and you come out of turn one and you're already ahead because there's nowhere to go. Both bulls actually got a really good start. Like Max had a great start. He had nowhere to go. And, you know, I'm a big Max guy and I'll always support everything he does. He actually backed out a little bit, gave, gave Checo the respect that he had the, here in the position and he could have nowhere to go, played the long game, played the team game. But you guys are right. Like Max definitely had just unbelievable pace. But what's really crazy, and I was starting to think about this. I'd love your guys' input. This season, the way the regulations have shaken out on track, the qualifying almost really doesn't matter for the top four cars. Um, normally, we would have seen like last year, like Lewis and Max battling for, for pole was super important for the race. But Max started from third on this grid and he finished first. Uh, Red Bull clearly and Ferrari have unbelievable race pace. Red Bull has a dominant straight line speed. And yes, on a one lap, like Ferrari can go flat out and beat them by half a tenth, three tenths, whatever. But like, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, guys, like as fun as watching qualifying is, so long as you're on that front row or the second row and you're battling with them, like, and you've got normal race pace, like it almost doesn't matter with the way DRS works and how fast these Red Bulls are. It doesn't matter if you're pole or not anymore. It's coming, it's coming down to nailing the strategy and yeah. just having the reliability to get to, to get to the finish line. Um, that's, that's what's becoming more important uh, between the three aspects of speed, reliability, and strategy it's it's reliability and strategy that are that are definitely reigning as the top two things you need to have this year yeah i couldn't agree more and what's crazy is last year i'd be holding my breath in qualifying like where are they going to shake out on track this year it's like who cares like so long as you're on the front first row or second row like I mean, granted, Spain and Imola probably not as much when you or when you have like one DRS zone or you know maybe one and a half because like that's obviously super important. But like Red Bull's car in a straight line is so freaking fast. If you can just kind of hang on around for sector two, like yeah, all right, you're not going to be sitting on pole every time. But like, didn't matter in Miami, didn't matter here, didn't matter in Jeddah, didn't matter in Aust- well Australia was a DNF. But like, it's just starting to feel like these front four cars are so freaking good that it doesn't matter where you even start on the grid. Yeah. For Red Bull, especially because I mean, Ferrari may have the advantage in the twisty bits, but like they're only pulling like two, three tenths advantages in the twisty bits and Red Bull makes it up on these huge long straights, like in Baku and Jeddah and Miami, you know, where like, I, I remember in Miami, Charles Leclerc was like seven tenths ahead going to the back straight. And, you know, normally that would be more than enough advantage to defend against the DRS pull. And Max almost didn't even need DRS back in Miami to, to, to close the gap on Charles. Uh, that's, how, that's how good these cars are. So, you know, unless, like you said, there's a track with only one or one and a half DRS zones, these Ferraris are at a distinct disadvantage. Yeah, and it sucks to say. It's almost like Red Bull has uh, assumed the position that Mercedes has been in the last eight years of just having a straight, a dominant car with straight line speed, super fast. And Ferrari has kind of taken over the Red Bull over the last few years, which was like they weren't super prepared. They had reliability issues or like their strategy wasn't worked out. And 
Red Bull started the year on the back foot with double DNFs and they've had to claw their way back. And now Ferrari, I mean, it's a long ass season, guys. I'm just hoping that Mercedes figure something out and we do get that three way title fight somehow, some way. I'd really hate to see Red Bull start running away with it. But like, again, reliability is all over the place. We could go into Canada and see like double DNS or crash. And Sam, I think that we almost saw a crash today on the opening lap with signs and, and, and Verstappen. They came very close going into turn one. This is such a long season that if anyone thinks that the, the fight has been decided or that like the teams aren't going to be coming back, you're an idiot. Ferrari's going to be in ahead of Red Bull at some point again this season. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think at the end of the race, um, Damon Hill alluded to that as well, where uh, they asked him point blank, like, Damon, are you worried about Ferrari? And he said, no, Uh, it's a very long season. Ferrari has the the know-how to recover from catastrophes like this. They'll definitely still be in in the hunt for a driver and a constructor's championship. So optimism. we, we as fans may be hitting the panic button, but somebody like a world champion like Damon Hill, who has experience in the sport, who knows his way around the paddock and everything. You know, I put a little bit of, I put a little bit of faith in his call there. The thing that we're not talking about either, all of these reliability concerns that have plagued all the teams will come back to bite them later on in the season when Max inevitably has to take a new engine and start from the back of the grid. And you know, Ferrari probably will have the same thing too, but at some point the budget cap is going to start to get back to these guys. We've seen that even like the cars that are are quick, it's hard to come back from the back of the field. The other cars are, are pretty good too. It's easier to follow, but some of these tracks is hard to kind of overtake on. So you're going to start to see these things where if Ferrari and Red Bull want to win, they're going to have to keep taking engine penalties and power unit penalties. And you're going to have teams starting from the back of the grid or even the pit lane. And it's going to get really interesting, especially if you start throwing reliability. And so I, I think that the first eight races have gone pretty much as predicted with other than the like Ferrari, like power unit issues and the, the reliability. I think you would have said, hey, like this is pretty consistent. Everyone's pretty fast and it should be closer than it is right now. Um, but towards the back half of the season, we're going to see some crazy stuff, guys. And I think the budget cap is going to really throw a huge monkey wrench in. Um, but going on to Mercedes and their porpoising, I heard a lot of talk today about porpoising being way too unsafe for drivers and whether or not the FIA was going to like put in some mandates of having like a mandated ride height or mandated. Like This kind of feels like what budget cap crap we talked about. Like, figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. All these other teams have like you don't like. Yeah, it sucks for your driver. Even Danny Ricardo said like, yeah, I didn't realize this is what drivers were battling all year. But like, guys, what's your take on the FIA mandating certain setup related things for these cars to manage porpoising? It's uh, stupid. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work because you know if the FIA mandates ride height regulations and whatnot, what if those fail? What if they don't? Uh, they will because it's the, the FIA. That's the thing. They shouldn't yeah. do anything because whatever they do is going to be wrong and screw things up even more. So yeah. no, don't touch anything. And it's also like the whole like crap before the race, Toto being like, oh, I don't know if Lewis is going to be able to finish the race. Like, give me a break. Like, come on, give me a break. So I don't know. The porpoising sucks, but don't do any mandates. Like teams got to figure it out. It's whole, that's part of the whole entire process. Yeah, that's what they employ all these very highly rated engineers for to fit to figure out a solution. And like I said, they're not going to 100% fix the porpoising, um, but they can get they can get it down to, you know, like a 50% fix. And that will, that will probably do fine. Now, as long as the car is not actively hurting uh, George Russell or Lewis Hamilton, I think they'll be able to push through. 
I mean, actively hurting. Did you see the way Lewis had to get out of the car? He like couldn't even stand. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Is that yeah. what you mean by actively hurting or just like, oh, you had a sore bum. Sorry, buddy. Like, keep, no, that, that's, keep that's what I mean by actively hurting. Yeah. Like where yeah. it's going to cause long term damage. hamming it up for the cameras. Though. Totally hamming it up for the cameras, man. He's the, like, he's the, he's the ham up master. So I, I think that yeah. was hammed up a bit. Yeah. He's like, been a bit of a drama like queen all was, season this year. He was bending himself over a barrel, like holding his stomach, like like breathing weird, like hold, putting it, putting like a hand down, like like really trying to like force his way out, like collapsing back into the car. Like he was definitely hamming it up because meanwhile George Russell was in the cool down room, like high fiving Max and Checo in the same exact car. Yeah, he so. looked f- he looked fine in the cool down room. <laughs> looked totally fine, and and honestly, like I don't even know how this would work, but like George is what like three to four feet taller than Lewis Hamilton, so like I don't even know for someone taller how much it affects you versus someone like lewis who has like maybe you know a little bit of a smaller back compared to um George Russell's plant-based diet means his muscles are a little bit weaker yeah maybe mix in like a steak or something lewis hell yeah, yeah. fire it up hell yeah brother and i mean george russell again mr consistency Sam, you're a big Mercedes guy. How happy are you to have George Russell on? Like, what's your take on George Russell being in the Silver Arrows this year? Uh, he's been unbelievable. I don't know what else to say. I mean, he's what top five in every single race. That was his third podium today. I mean, he he um, he's been unbelievable. He's if it wasn't for him, I mean, I don't. I actually would love to know what Bottas would do in the in this car this year. Uh, but I know one thing: he would not be finishing in the top five every single race. So I think Russell's been an upgrade, and he's been awesome. And uh, he's pushing Lewis, but Lewis so far hasn't really responded that well and hasn't beaten him. So um, I don't know. It it he's been a, a really a saving grace for the Mercedes team this year. Just for reference, Bottas has gone sixth DNF due to the engine in Jeddah. Eighth, fifth, seventh, sixth, ninth. So pretty consistently hovering around fifth, eleventh, sixth, seventh, 11th today, eleventh today, today, and eleventh today. So you gotta wonder if you put if you drop Bottas in George Russell's car, would he be outperforming Lewis Hamilton? No. Oh, that's a uh, that's a that's I feel like that's a loaded question. No. Which car is better, the Alfa Romeo or the Mercedes? Oh, the Mercedes, obviously. Yeah, then I don't know. You put Valtteri Bottas back in the Mercedes, and maybe he's extracting better pace out of that car. I don't know. I feel like George Russell's just young, and he loves to to fight, and he's just going to suck it up and deal with it and try and prove and earn himself that contract at, at Mercedes and say, hey, like, yeah, this sucks, but I'm going to suck it up. Lewis kind of has, like, the free reign to be a baby and ham it up because he's an eight, a seven-time world champion. So it's it kind of comes with the territory i think right like you're the new one on the team you can't really be complaining as much suck it up and drive you're lewis hamilton you can complain about whatever you want you have nothing to prove to anybody so it's like yeah i think prove is the right word because george russell is definitely driving like a like a hungry young talent who has a point to prove in the sport um we talked about stars a little bit earlier like up-and-coming stars definitely throw him in the mix he is an up-and-coming talent and i wouldn't be surprised if he one day is a world champion as well. Uh, it's starting to become apparent to me that the difference between him and Lewis this year is Lewis like is not happy to be driving a fourth place car where George Russell is like stoked to be up there and fighting towards the towards the top. So it's like Russell's excited to be doing it and Hamilton totally. just isn't. So I think that that's becoming a big difference. 
Absolutely. And here's something crazy. George Russell's only 17 points behind Charles Leclerc and the drivers right now for third. So yeah. um, he's certainly not up. But I, I totally agree with you, Sam. I asked you today, like when it was on, when he was on the podium, it, he looked almost like he was mad. He wasn't like he didn't look mad, but like he just kind of walked around the podium like he was like, I should be the one one and two, even though to have the third or sorry, the 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 fifth or sixth fastest car on the grid to be P3 after being in a Williams where he was like almost last or barely in the points, he should be like stoked. And the only reason he's P3 and probably not winning has nothing to do with his performance, but I agree. And he has been the saving grace for Total Wolf, and he's so pumped to be racing. And he said it before the race. They asked him, are you going to be fighting for the win? He's like, definitely not. He's like, we're very comfortably the third fastest on merit alone. We'll probably max out at fifth, maybe higher if like somebody else has reliability concerns. And he was exactly right. He was going to be fifth, and he ended up third because of double DNS from Ferrari. And that's what Mercedes needs to keep going. And man, you can't hope Mercedes, man. Just can't do it. Can't speaking do it. Mercedes, speaking of not counting out Mercedes, I want to make a little bit of a bold sort of prediction, I want to say. Let's hear it. They win in Great Britain. Wow. It's funny you said a that. Teaser. I was they win, uh, they win in Great Britain. I was watching um, a girl talk F1 and the Formula One twins did a Instagram live collaboration after the race and they were doing a Q&A and somebody asked when Mercedes is going to win a race this year. And I replied saying Silverstone. Yeah, you have two British drivers who definitely are up for it to win their home, their home Grand Prix. And I mean, I think George Russell is looking like the more likely um, so I'm definitely predicting early on that they're winning in Silverstone. I'd love to see that. Sam, 4th of July weekend, you think they're going to win in Silverstone? No, I don't. Wow. Tell us why. I just don't think that they can match the speed of especially Red Bull, but I still don't think they're there against Ferrari either. I think there's a, there's a kind of a sizable gap between um, Mercedes and Ferrari still. So I, I unless there's reliability issues and something crazy happens with Red Bull, I don't see them winning a race yet, and and Silverstone's coming up. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think, right. I think we're looking at some uh, after the summer break when Mercedes could can maybe start competing for wins. Sam's right. On paper, they have no business winning either of the next two races, but I just think in Great Britain at Silverstone, there's a there's place they be, do it. It would be there, but I just don't think they're ready. They're not ready, but I think that there's going to be some sort of an X factor that allows them to win that race we're still waiting for our first red bull ferrari collision so maybe it's there maybe maybe that might be the happen with the two top teams last year there so maybe that maybe maybe that's what's going to happen i don't know but i think that i think that silverstone is mercedes's race all right i mean i I could see that i i agree with sam though like on paper they have no business winning a race although in spain and barcelona sam you thought like Hamilton had the race pace to challenge for a race win after Leclerc's reliability. So maybe at Silverstone, we see a Ferrari or Charles Leclerc crash, something weird, or he just, maybe he just goes off track and like kind of gets like stuck and has to rejoin the pack at the bottom. And it just opens up for like a a Max Lewis battle. But yeah, 
it's it's interesting guys and we got 14 races left and we got one coming up this week and it's going to be super crazy because i mean red bull now is due for reliability concerns so like ever all these teams are just due for it yeah, um, i feel like it's going to work in cycles like this is now ferrari's reliability cycle it's going to swing back to red bull's reliability cycle totally you know it's it's going to be that kind of a season where you know there are spurts of just reliability issues yeah, and so now coming out of the top three teams this weekend, you know, obviously the the order was Max, Checo, George, Lewis for the top four, and Ferrari had two DNFs. But then, you, both of you guys, monster predictions earlier in the week. Sam's bets came back saying Pierre Gasly top ten finish. Uh, Stefano, you thought that Pierre Gasly had a, a remote shot being on the podium, maybe at some point today, he might have. Maybe if he had, maybe if he actually had pitted for under that second VSC for a new set of hard compounds or even a set of mediums he might have but lewis he, he was a sitting duck for lewis pierre gasly raced his best race of the year yes. super awesome from him and then the pig of the car aston martin sebastian vettel with the spin out in the runoff area sam finishes sixth ahead of fernando alonso yeah gasly and vettel i think kind of got robbed in driver of the day with lewis swooping in there they were both unbelievable the the Vettel spin-out save was maybe the highlight of the day in a very boring, dull race. That was unbelievable. That was so, so cool. sick. So uh, cool. Gasly now, two races in a row. He's been really good. Um, yeah, shout out to Stefano, who was all over that. There was definitely like a 20-minute period where I was like, ooh, if something happens here, Gasly could finish third. Absolutely. So he, he, was, he was really good. He was good. in with a shout. He was in with a shout yeah. for sure. He needed um, a safety car because I think at that point, Russell had just put in such a big gap. Uh, that he needed like a safety car and then to go back into the pits onto mediums. Um, his teammate, by the way, what the heck happened with his teammates DRS? His rear wing split in half. They went to, got an orange and black flag that took like what, Sam, two or three laps, goes into the pits, and then they put this crazy, like, looked like duct tape. It was duct tape. Ah, it I was, it was duct tape. tape. No, gaffer, t- gaffer tape is what they call duct tape in. England land. Ah, and so it's so in the non-states they call it that. So they duct tape his rear wing, and then Crofty was like, "I don't think the FIA is going to like that very much." And then nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah Crofty made it seem like the FIA was going to make a big stink. Crofty made it seem like he was going to get like suspended for the rest of the the season because he had the broken DRS. I'm <laughs> like, he was like freaking out over that. Crofty, and, and they almost like didn't even bring him off the course. So it was that was a weird moment. Yeah, the, the Alpha Tori should have been double points today. Yeah. They were really good. The, the way Crofty made it seem, he was like, I forget the race director. He's like, he is storming down and stomping in, almost like he like opened the con- race control room, slammed the door, and like walked over to the pit wall to yell at Alphatari. And I thought he was going to like, the way Crofty made it seem, like, I thought the race director was going to go out into the middle of the track like a cop on the highway. I thought we were getting a red flag. Yeah. And like point <laughs> yeah. at Yuki Snow and be like, you're done get in the pits and like I was shocked and then nothing ended up happening and it, it kind of ruined Yuki's race because he uh I think he was sitting up in the points at that point he was battling with uh the Mercedes um and then Fernando Alonso a little bit of drama over the weekend where like Albon was complaining he held him up which I had no idea why but guys I hate to say it um or actually maybe I don't Danny Ricardo raced a pretty solid race today against all odds almost like he he's fighting for his contract he was in the mix. Uh, and I mean, he did get passed by who I think is going to take his seat next year. 
Pierre Gasly. Um, but he needed he needed a, a, a good solid points finish and he got it today. Yeah, so I we think, you, you I gotta, think a little gotta, bit of pressure is relieved. You gotta give credit where credit's due. We we gave Danny Ricardo a really difficult time and he he had a good race. He had a, I, I wonder I you know, Lando was kind of being a baby about passing him. He never really was close enough to make that happen until the last lap. So I'm sure Lando is Lando's whole thing is he could have passed him and it should have been Lando in, in eighth, not ninth. But I do think Ricardo was a little quicker today. Um, so he yeah, was. you have to, you have to earlier in the race. Ricardo was complaining about passing Lando because he had more pace than Lando earlier in the race. Yeah, yeah, well, I think what solid. happened was at some point, Danny Ricardo went on a medium tire stint and he was not, he, his race pace dropped off a cliff. Like he just didn't have the same pace as he did on the hard compounds. And yeah. Lando ended up saying that drag race to the line was crazy. He only finished like 0.35 seconds behind him. Um, but yeah, he was like, he was so pissed. He was like on the team radio. Why tell Danny to pick it up? Like, I'm gonna pass him, and he was like, at that point, like two and a half seconds behind. And I was like, huh? Yeah, he wasn't that close. No, and then he said something of like, they're like, oh, we're gonna maintain the car position, and he was pissed. He was like, that was for strategy, not for like the final race. And he was almost like, tell Daniel Daniel to slow down right now, guys. By the way. Danny Ricardo, until he continues to prove himself, is now I'll refer to him only as Daniel. Daniel barely like put his foot down. He could not catch Alonzo, couldn't find the medium stint, and Lando was like all mad. He was like, Tell Daniel to pick it up. And if he doesn't, I'm gonna pass him. And then he was like, Why is Daniel still ahead of me? I want to finish ahead of him because like Lando is definitely more in the hunt for like uh, he has way more points than Daniel. So Lando definitely wants as many points as possible. But like Daniel raised a good race. He was racing for his contract. It seemed like he found some pace. It looked all practice weekend. Like he was not going to have any pace whatsoever. Like I think there's a couple times he was like last on all the stints compared to people. Tip your cap. You know, I've been hard on Daniel. Maybe he's listening to this podcast. So we lit a fire under his ass. What do you think, Stefano? Yeah, I think Daniel is trying to desperately get himself off of the naughty step. Um, you know, he definitely was driving with a little bit more grit and determination that we called for in our race preview. Um, you know, hopefully this is a sign of things to come and he can finish consistently in the top 10 for the remainder of the season. You know, the McLaren seemed to be, uh, the, the team itself seemed to be off the pace all weekend. Uh, Lando was struggling too. So, you know, it's not just that Daniel was having a hard time with, with the car. Um, but you know, great race from great race from Daniel. Still not off the naughty step. Still not out of trouble with his own team. Um, I think he's still probably going to get replaced for uh, next season. But ease some of the pressure off of himself this weekend. Uh, hopefully, he'll have another good race in Montreal. Daniel's going to look great in white, blue, and red Haas colors. Man, he is going to look awesome behind that behind that wheel sam the more you say it the more i'm starting to think i i said it earlier this year pierre gasly will leave i think zach brown would love to have him the big debate is whether or not going to alpha from alphatari to mclaren is an upgrade for gasly or whether staying at alphatari and biding his time to maybe try and get back into red bull is a better move for for so it's to me unclear which team is the better team for, for Pierre Gasly's career to go to? Is McLaren really that much better than AlphaTauri? Is it 
hey, I'm going to stay here. Like, he'll probably be the number two behind Lando. Right now, he's the number one ahead of Yuki, arguably. Like, so that's going to be a really interesting decision that I think we're going to see in the coming weeks. I bet you by summer break, we know where Gasly's sitting. And, hey, he's flying uh, um, back home on Max Verstappen's jet. So I'm very interested to know what those guys are going to be talking about in terms of those guys used to be teammates. Uh, Max obviously signed a big contract. His teammate, Checo, has a new contract extension. Maybe there's some advice of, hey, like, stick around. I want you as a teammate. Maybe there's something going on there. Um, maybe they just are into, you know, being together in a small confined space for, you know, several hours and, and seeing what happens as that unfolds. But yeah, I mean, I would love to see Danny Ricardo in a Haas. And the question right now I have is like, do you replace Kevin Magnuson or do you replace Mick Schumacher, Sam? Both. I mean, they both stink. Let's just be clear about that. They, they've they both been horrendous. I guess Magnuson wasn't really Magnuson's fault that he DNF today. It was a Ferrari power problem, but it wasn't like he was really doing much before that anyways. And Schumacher was terrible today. So replace them both for all I, for all I care. I mean, get Ricardo in that seat because they, they just that we know that car is not that bad. It's just, They've been terrible. Yeah. yeah. Schumacher had crashed in FP2 again this week. And I mean, early on the podcast, Sam, you said to demote him to, you know, F2, maybe even F3. And he just, again, he's the one of three drivers on the grid without a point. And the other one is our boy Ernie's guy, Nicholas Latifi at the Williams. And then the other one was Nico Hulkenberg for racing for Aston Martin for the first few races because Sebastian Vettel had COVID. So that's good company to keep. Um, it's it's right now Mick, Nico, and, and Nicholas Latifi. Um, Stroll is right ahead of them with two points. So there, he's sitting in some really good company on the, the grid this year. And it's really just kind of getting sad. Because for someone with the name of Schumacher, like Sebastian Vettel in Miami is right. This this guy is definitely not a Schumacher. There's no way this guy's a Schumacher. And and honestly, like you haven't scored any points with a car that that Ferrari engine, and that Ferrari engine's pretty freaking fast. And your teammate Kevin Magnussen has scored 15 points and is 12th in the drivers. And you are crashing the car in FP1. You're crashing the car in Jeddah in Monaco. And they're he's costing the team more money than not and honestly putting a hand but a driver like danny ricardo probably safer and scores more points yeah maybe esports is a you know a better spot for schumacher at this point uh, in his career. i think yarno would eat his lunch dude to be frank and yarno was live live tweeting about what was happening when, so, y- when yarno is kind of stuffing you and latifi in a locker it might be time for a, a seat change speaking yeah, of latifi and we don't love rooting against our our guy ernie ernie huge friend of the podcast we're rooting for williams like we'd love to see williams return back to their former glory and have like a, a positive name again latifi is honestly a liability on the circuit he had like four penalties today he had a 10 second stop and go penalty because he he started and stopped on the formation lap then he didn't respect the blue flag when I think it was Hamilton and Gasly fighting with one another for, for fifth or fourth or fifth, he didn't slow down and like to let them through. He got, he had 15 seconds of penalties today. And then I think in every single practice he crashed. 
Dude, he was at one point, he was about a minute behind uh, the person in front of him, and he was in dead last. Yeah, it, it was, was Mick. He was, he was a minute behind <laughs> his, the 14th place person or 15th place person. It was like, he, you said it well. He's a liability. He just doesn't belong out there. It's, it's kind of wild to see. So, Sam, I said it to you in, in real time. George Russell was 46 seconds behind Max Verstappen. That was the gap from P1 to P3, which in some of these races, that's pretty normal with these cars that are so fast. <laughs> Nicholas Latifi was in 15th. And the only reason he was in 15th was because the five cars behind him, Stroll, Magnussen, Joe, Leclerc, and Sainz, DNF. So he was basically last. He was 50 seconds behind Mick Schumacher in 14th. What did he finish behind Max? So here's the thing. Like four minutes? Formula One right now, just once it gets over a lap, it's just plus one lap. But I'll put it to you this way. Esteban Akon, who rounded out the points, was uh, a minute and eight seconds or... No, he was 108, so a minute and 18 seconds behind Max. And then you had Valtteri, Albon, Yuki, Mick, and then Latif. He was 40 seconds behind Mick. So he had to have been close to three minutes behind Max Verstappen. Embarrassing. Yeah, it's honestly revolting to watch him drive an F1 car. Um, it makes me sick. And for the health of uh, Formula One fans across the globe, I think we'd be better off without Nicholas Latifi in a Williams. He is tarnishing their name. Um, yeah, get him out. Get him out. I know that his. I know that his father is a constant stream of income for Williams. He's a he is a pay driver after all. But you know, when you're costing the team money with crashes and penalties and whatnot, it, it's sort of like a net neutral to maybe a negative, like. Is your contribution even that valuable? What's crazy to me too, and this is like F1 had to have been holding their nose and swallowing this pill of having to have Latifi and Stroll do the Canada Grand Prix like preview. It was that like was a laugh out loud funny. I couldn't even believe it. It was like, yeah, we get to go back to Canada, like our home race. I'm like, great. You guys are going to be dead last. Who gives a shit where you guys are? Like, I don't care. I'm not going to watch the Canadian Grand Prix because you two Canadians who are paid drivers on daddy's dime is telling me like, oh, it's going to be sweet. Return to your home race. You guys battling for 15th with each other, two minutes behind the pace is going to be. And here's the thing that sucks so bad. Albon's four places ahead of him and Vettel is 10 places ahead of Stroll. And now I do know Stroll on the 46th lap had a, uh, a failure, an engine failure, pick of a car. But dude, he, I think at that point he was still like 13. He was 14. He was 14. Yeah, 14. His engine failure compromised his streak of P14s, which was due to be a record. I mean, come on. Dude, the funniest, I'll never forget when I watched the, I think it was um, FP3 or FP2, Julian Palmer talking about how how easy it is to hit the walls at this place. It's very, very tight there. It's like when they go up through the castle, it's crazy that those guys for 51 laps, like, get so close to those walls and they don't ever hit them. I'm surprised there wasn't a crash today. I'm very surprised there wasn't a crash today, too. But he said, you know, it's very easy to do it. And uh, Lance Stroll did it 
made quick business of making that out and doing it twice within 20 seconds of each other. And he's like, so he had no problem finding the, the really tough parts, but it was like such a, like a subtle jab because Julian Palmer seems like he's just a, such a nice guy and doesn't say anything bad about anyone. Very objective, but he, you could tell he just probably wanted to say like, that's pathetic to do it twice like that. Yeah. Big time. Um, guys, Esteban Akon rounding out the points. Great weekend for Alpine. Sam, you were holding your breath with the double Alpine and the points finish. It was honestly looking like Alpine was going to have a awesome weekend. I think like during qualifying, during FP3, Alonso was setting the fastest sector three. Their straight line speed looked absolutely insane. And then in the race, like Akon just seemed like he didn't have the pace. Great race out of Alonso. He finished P7. But Sam, I don't know if you have anything to say about our boys at Alpine. Yeah, no, they're... They- had a solid weekend, double points, hats off to them. Great straight line speed. That was about all that car had this weekend. Um, it was kind of crap everywhere else, but the straight line speed um, kept them competitive and they picked up the pieces when Sonoda's DRS uh, went haywire. So it was, yeah, good, good double points finish for them. Yeah, it was awesome. Great weekend for you too, honestly, with a weekend that had some bad, bad matchup lines. Again, Vegas running scared. You you yeah. snuck out, you got out unscathed. I think you went five and two, four and three. Four and three. Four and three. Ferrari seems to be whenever they have reliability issues, is you know, the weekend that you kind of have a couple of those bets out there. Um, was looking really good for you all weekend. Vegas is so scared of you, ma'am. They're insanely scared. Minus 900 safety car, that hit right in everyone's face. You've got both Alpines in the points, Gasly in the points. Um, you had no matchup bets to bet because Vegas is putting everything to be unbettable because they're just afraid. I think they would rather nobody bet the lines than continue to have to weather the barrage of punches that you've been hitting them with from the beginning of the season. Yeah, and they we'll, must be we'll licking be their chops about the, the Ferrari constructor line because they're, they you got them so good early in the season that they had to have been holding their breath. Yeah, we'll 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 be there when they you know let their guard down. It's all so. Oh yeah, they are they are prime for making a mistake. When you know where they're going to make them, the normal circuits like Silverstone, the normal circuits like Canada, the Paul Ricard track the Red Bull ring and Hungary is that's where you're going to make your money back from these guys. And you just, you, you went through the, the, the tougher part of the circuit where Vegas can just kind of like manipulate the lines a little bit and make yep. it so it's unbettable. And you said, Hey, I'm going to come out winning. And when we come back to the real circuits where I know what's going on and you guys don't, you're going to put them in a locker and yeah, stuff them right we'll back take, down. We'll take their lunch money. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll all be back to normalcy once we, uh, once we hit Canada next weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys. Short, week, up. short week coming back. Short We've week. got our Canadian Grand Prix race preview coming out this week. Guys, last final thoughts from Baku. Hell of a weekend. We, we honestly, it was a lot of fun to watch all weekend long. The race was still entertaining, but we got robbed as fans. We got absolutely robbed with uh, Ferrari cost us a exciting race and, we're looking ahead to Canada, but final thoughts on the race from Baku from either of you. Fire Bonotto. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. Um, I also want to propose a brand new segment for In the Points podcast. It's called uh, Crofty's Quote of the Day. Love it. And today is in relation to uh, our surprise package from Alpine. 
they had a great weekend. He referred to their car as being slippier than an eel on steroids. Great, <laughs> cro- great love quote that. from Crofty. Loved it. I love that segment. That's that will be a recurring segment for us going forward. Is the the Crofty quote of the day because he has some insane quotes. Dude, he is a whiz with the words. He really is. He's just dancing around. His his head is just constantly filling up with with class instant classic quotes. But Sam, I'm with you. Fire Bernardo. Um, my recap or my final thoughts is great for Red Bull. Hard luck for Ferrari, but it's a long season, and we'll look for more races like this to happen. And it's anybody's game, in my opinion, still. And I'd love to see Mercedes figure the porpoising out and get right back into the hunt after Silverstone. Me too. Big time. Big time. Hey, Sam, uh, I think you have a, a shout out for a fan. Um, Gav reached out to you. Gavin. Yeah. Shout out Gavin. You know, thanks for listening. Uh, maybe call in one of these times or send us a reader email. Love to love to get your thoughts. Big fan, big, big Ferrari fan. So I'm sure he's, he's feeling it today. Big Ferrari fan. Yeah. Shout out, shout out Gav. Um, Gav from from I think Gav from what is it uh, from Germany right Philadelphia Philadelphia sorry I thought it was yeah, Gav. Philadelphia Germany. Germany yeah I mean guys anyone uh, for all of our listeners you know we read all of our fan emails over the the podcast each week so if you guys have any emails to send by all means reach out you can obviously always go to our website at inthepoints.com www.inthepointspod.com you can find our contact information we've got twitter we've got instagram we've got absolutely everything you can just sign up and send us a direct message over there uh go to the website for anything you'd like to to say and shout out and we will 100 read it on next week's episode until then guys i'm uh i'm i'm glad you mentioned that real quick before we go because i have been inundated with an email it reads dear in the points love the content and was curious as the only podcast in the world growing at the speed of formula one what you guys thought about apple tv picking up the streaming rights to brad pitt's new f1 movie surely with lewis hamilton as producer and joseph kaczynski director of top gun 2 it should be great to the sport love to hear your takes yours sincerely eddie q head of streaming apple tv wow an email from apple tv head of streaming it's so I'm, I'm debating whether or not we tease that for this upcoming episode and give our takes on that i i think we, for yeah. our for our listeners uh tune in this week we will answer director of streaming at apple tv his question on whether or not we are fans or not and i'll give the fans one sneak peek preview for our our discussion on that in the upcoming re- week for canada's preview only if brad pitt plays nico rosberg hell yeah fire it up fire it up fire it up that's a wrap for us on today's episode of in the point we are back to our regularly scheduled program as we head to a short week for the canadian grand prix Tune in as we turn to our neighbors of the north where Ferrari will look to steer clear of the Canadian driver's bad habits and actually finish a race while Red Bull will look to extend their lead in the championship series and Lewis Hamilton will hope that his back can handle another round of the intense porpoising that that silver arrow brings. Please like, subscribe, and smash all those bells and whistles so that you never miss the hottest Formula One takes in the business. And tune in next Wednesday for our Canadian Grand Prix race preview and Thursday on our YouTube channel where we will be exclusively posting Sam's bets as a video segment along with all of our other video podcasts. Thanks again for listening to the only podcast growing at the speed of Formula One. And as always, stay out of that dirty air and keep pushing.